This is the Monology Podcast. Monroe County, Ohio is my home. With your hosts, Mike and Joey. Mike. Yes. <laughs> yes. Episode 22. <laughs> yes, you woke me up. Sorry about that. Episode 22. Okay, we're almost to 2,000. Almost. So, um, it is the week of Jul- uh, July 26th. Oh, wow. Holy moly. Do you know what's coming up? August. August. Farm days. Farm fair. days. Then the fair. Man, it is just going. It's flying by. It sure is. Um, this Thursday, Mike, giddy up and give back. It's the uh, Hannah Howard J.C. Meyer Realtors. They're doing that fundraiser for um, Flying Horse Farms, and it's going to be down at Hoofhearted Brewery in uh, Marengo. Of course, they've got all that stuff. So it's Thursday night, this Thursday, from 5 to 9, uh, and it's going to be supporting the Flying Horse Farms Light Up the Camp. They're going to have a uh, free gift for the first 50 drawing or first 50 folks. Drawings with lo- for local prizes. There'll be a special draft beer released just for this. Uh, there'll be a 50-50 drawing, food trucks, live DJ, and, of course, tons of fun. Of course, so a dead DJ is not much fun. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Um, hey, over the weekend, we got some good feedback, I heard. Oh, yeah. Um, that the fire department, they did their um, movie night on Friday, and then they had their splash pad yesterday, which we're recording on Sunday, so the Saturday. Right. Um, they did, like, the splash pad, and they sprayed the water down from on top of the fire truck. Um, heard some good things about that, saw some cool pictures. Um, and that went uh, just about coincided with the uh, downtown days put on by the, the merchants group there. Um, so that was pretty cool. What do you guys got going on at the, uh, the historical, the historical center? Center? The, uh, yes, history I center? Kept, I kept losing my <coughs> train of thought there. Yeah, we broadcast from there every week, the That's upstairs. Right. Um, yes, uh, we have a new display concerning, um, oh, I wasn't prepared, Joey. There was an officer that was uh, part of the, um, the horse patrol with the uh, sheriff's department, and we have... Uh, Items that belong to him on display. Really? Um, what else do we have down there? We, of course, have... I know you guys have just recently gone through and updated... Oh, yeah. Another one is the Morrow County Fair, the history of... Things from the history of the Morrow County Fair. It's really cool down there. There's a whole bunch of fair books down there. There are fair books from different years over the years. I mean, I saw some that went back to, I want to say, 40s, I think I saw. Uh, maybe 40s. even further than that, but yes, there are. I yeah. just quickly looked at And fair posters... Thanks, Rick Chilcote, for uh, uh, loaning us those. Um, a lot going on at our Amaro County. Oh, and this year we have our new school exhibit. Uh, we have a room that wasn't really ready until a few months ago to be used. Um, we have uh, things from one-room schools, from uh, the different school districts in the uh, county, and a small version of a one-room school set up down there. Um, you got to come and see it. We've got, you know what? We've got a dunce cap down there. Oh, that would be a permanent fixture on my head. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, come in. The uh, History Center is open on Sunday afternoons from 2 to 4. And we will not be open during farm days because we will be at the Garverick Log House at the fairgrounds during farm days. So uh, we will be closed that Sunday, but 
Other Sundays, we are open 2 to 4 in the afternoon. Nice. You guys always have all kinds of stuff going on, and I, I just think it's pretty cool. You walk down there, and it's like walking back into history. I mean, <laughs> some of the furniture and the piano is just awesome. Yeah, that and came then, from the Morrow County home, yeah. I mean, just, it just there's just so much stuff out there that looks so cool. I do want to throw out one thing, Mike. Um, Mar Little Theater's production of The Little Mermaid Jr., Yes. It's August 13th at 7 p.m. at Mount Gilead High School, and then August 14th at 2.30 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Saturday, the 14th there. And how do you get tickets for that? So if you go to marlittletheater.org or find us on Facebook, and you can click on the event page. All right, Mike, that's it. This week's Morrow County Flashback brought to you by the Morrow County Historical Society. Mike, you're taking us on a flashback. Where are we going today, sir? Talk about flash. We're, we're talking about some um, manufacturers of uh, fireworks that were in Morrow County. And there were nine men that died from fireworks accidents in Morrow County between 1966 and 1987. I did not know about that. I didn't either. But uh, my friend Stan Sipe has provided this information. As, Stan knew about it. Yeah, he knew mm-hmm. about it. So we're going to discuss some of those, um, and some of the information I'll be uh, sharing will be coming straight from the articles that were in the Morrow County Sentinel. So uh, we're going to be talking about two different fireworks companies. Uh, one is the Columbus Fireworks Company, and the other is the Rainbow Fireworks Company. Two different companies. And uh, the Columbus Fireworks Company bought land on Bennington Township Road 206, southeast of Marengo in the mid-1950s, long before zoning. A manufacturing facility was built on this former farmland. The company had a spotless safety record until September 27th of 1966. And I'm going to read a little bit about the from the article concerning that. And the, 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 the print is very small, so bear with me. Two persons were killed, were killed outright and the third fatally injured in a blast which rocked the Columbus Fireworks manufacturing plant about four miles southeast of Marengo at about 12.20 p.m. Tuesday afternoon. And this is from a newspaper, September 29th, 1966. Instantly killed in the explosion were Marvin Wesley Coverett, Donald Wayne Coverett. He suffered burns over 90% of his body. That would be Daryl Wayne Coverett, I'm sorry. Uh, Like I said, this (laughs) print is very small. Um, Another worker and the plant owner who were in the building about 150 uh, yards away were not injured. Howard Dotery of Columbus, who works at the plant, said he was having some difficulty with machinery in one of several buildings on the property and had called the owner, Joe Cacabello, also of Columbus, to come over and look at the equipment. As they were looking at the equipment, Dotery said he heard a small explosion, which was followed by the bigger explosion. Everything went up with a second explosion. He said uh, his car was parked between the explosion and the building they were in and credited it with saving their lives. The front windshield of the car was blown in by the force of the explosion. The two had been in a small building between the two main buildings, only moments before the blast. It was believed that the first blast occurred in the small building. Daughtery said the three were working in a building making star shells for night firework displays. He said he had no idea what kind, what could have caused the explosion. Daughtery said that he fell down at the blast but only received a cut finger. The next thing he knew, 
he and uh, Cocovello were running from the blast center. David Corvett, Covert, that is, and Stukesbury were blown from the building in the west while Marvin Covert's body was hurled some 70 feet through the air and landed against another small building in the complex. So that was a blast that happened in September of 1966. Um, that was at the Columbus Fireworks Manufacturing Company. Another one happened in 1973. A Mount Vernon man, and this is again from the Morrow County Sentinel from May 10th of 1973. Uh, a Mount Vernon man was instantly killed in an explosion at the Columbus Fireworks Company about three and a half miles east of Marengo shortly after 5 p.m. last Wednesday afternoon. David C. Cochran, 24, Henry Road, Mount Vernon, was killed in the explosion that destroyed a powder mixing uh, shed at the southeast, southwest corner of the complex of small buildings which makes up the fireworks plant operations. It was the second time in four years the tragedy has struck the family. His father, Theodore C. Cochran, 67, died in a Columbus hospital on September 4, 1969, after he had been burned in a flash fire at the same plant on August 27, 1969. It was the fifth death, death at the plant resulting from either burns or explosions. Two men were killed outright and the third died later of injuries received in another explosion at the plant on Tuesday afternoon, September 27, 1966. Instantly killed were Marvin Wesley Covert, 28, Daryl Wayne Covert, Mara County Coroner Dr. John Sweeney said that Cochran was instantly killed by the massive blast that blew his body 117 feet. Wow. Cochran was a seven-year employee of the plant. The explosion was heard as far away as Mount Gilead. Um, well, there's a lot to this uh, article, but that's why I'm going to read that one. Then, in August of 1982, there was another explosion, but this was at a different uh, fireworks plant. This was the Rainbow Fireworks Company, and I'll read a little bit about this. No one will probably ever know what triggered an explosion at the Rainbow Fireworks Company in eastern Morrow County last Friday evening that took three lives, injured a woman, and one of her children. And this is taken from an August 12, 1982 Morrow County Sentinel article. Killed in the explosion which occurred at 5.34 p.m. were David V. Schrenkel, 20, age 20, Jerry Siciliano, age 42. The plant, which has been in operation about three years, was located in the corner of a soybean field off County Road 14, about four miles northeast of Chesterville and near the Knox County line. So there was another one that happened. And as if that wasn't enough, this article is taken from a May 7th 1987 Morrow County Sentinel <clears throat> and this is at the Morrow County Fireworks which is uh, the renamed Columbus Fireworks. Oh, okay. So it's the same as the first one we talked about. The ninth, fat <laughs> the ninth fatality in the past 16 years caused by an accident at a Morrow County Fireworks factory was recorded on Monday when Daryl P. Sharp 50 um, received injuries from an explosion. The accident occurred at 3.06 p.m. when a small container of black powder exploded while Sharp was working alone outside a small shed at the plant located on County Road 206 about a mile south of State Route 229. 
Sharp was taken to the Morrow County Hospital by the Marengo squad. A life flight helicopter from Grant Hospital was called, but the injuries were too severe for the helicopter to be of value. He died at the local hospital about two hours after the explosion. Morrow County Sheriff Rex Yeagley said that, it, said that the explosion was accidental. A small fire started at the shed where Sharp was working and the Marengo Fire Department was called and other fire departments were on standby. <clears throat> Bud Bratton of the State Fire Marshal's office was uh, at the scene on Monday. Now, Buddy Bratton was Sheriff of Morrow County at one time as well. So John Litke, Special Agent with the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Morrow County Sheriff Rex Yakeley were at the scene on Tuesday morning to review the situation and to prepare a detailed report relating to the accident. So I can go on with more of that article, but uh, to save on some time, um, the end of the Columbus Fireworks Company came in 1992 when the Marengo plant was raided by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Fire, Firearms. The owner was convicted on federal charges. The end of the Rainbow Fireworks Company in Franklin Township came on the day that the plant blew up, and we read about that in one of those articles. Also interesting is the fact that when the Columbus Fireworks plant went kaboom in 1966, the explosion was heard in Mount Vernon and Mount Gilead. That's a big explosion. That is a big explosion. But um, most people aren't even aware that there were two fireworks companies in the county once upon a time. I didn't know. And I, in, when we were discussing this last week that this was what you were going to talk about this week, um, there is a, a fireworks stand down in Marengo now. It's kind there of is. hidden back behind the – it's Fine J, I think. Um, but it's hidden back there. You can't really – somebody's shooting at us. No. Uh, it's a little backfire there. Somebody got to get something looked at. Anyway, uh, but there's a little bit of a, a, you know, a small fireworks shop. I don't know if they make them or if they just sell them out of I there. I think they just what. sell them there. I don't um, think they manufacture them. But I think that's, that's, that's an explosive history. It, uh, oh. I just pulled a mic. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But that's our history for today. And just to remind folks, the History Center is open every Sunday from 2 to 4. 2 to 4, except for farm days. Except we will be down days. at the log house of the fairgrounds all right and mike thinks let's go back to where we were currently okay mike we have a visitor today yes we do and uh the place is on fire not literally but you know because this there's a song here. the roof yeah the roof, <laughs> the roof is on fire but we're going to be talking about a very important thing that's coming up in the village of mount gilead you want to tell them what that is yeah so we actually talked about this a little bit already and it is the uh fire levy um that's going up so it's a, an additional income tax for the village of mount gilead it's 0.25 percent income tax and of course here we have chief 101 that's what it says here chad swank hey chad hi how are you guys Good. How are you, sir? Doing fine. Good. Well, welcome to the podcast. This is, is this the first time that you've been on a podcast? It is. It is. Okay. So he's a newbie, Mike. New to the Be radio gentle. world, <laughs> I guess. So do we do a hazing for new people? <laughs> <laughs> no hazing. No hazing. We can get in trouble for that. Okay. They'll like take our, our uh, ability to podcast or something for a while. All right. So we're going to discuss the levy here. So uh, Chad, thanks for coming. 
what are some of the services that you guys provide with the, the Mount Gilead Fire Department? Um, obviously, the big one is fire suppression. You know, you call the fire department when your house is on fire. So that's one of the biggest ones that, that we do yeah, provide. That's, 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 that's like the number one. Yeah. Um, we're, we provide rescue services, which include um, grain rescue. So talk about grain rescue. Where would that be needed? Or what would, what would you need for that? It's, it's out in the county or at different farms, grain bins and things like that, augers, stuff like that. Um, we actually have two facilities, one in Edison and one in Mount Gilead, a co-op. And I'm, I always get the other one wrong. I still call it the old name. And I can't tell you what so it is. So the reason you guys would go out there is say that somebody got into the the grain bin because there was a clog or something. Yeah. And from what I've seen is that those are very dangerous to get in while there's still material in there. They and are. it's like quicksand. Like you just continue to go down yep. and down and down and down and yep. down. And eventually that weight will crush you and suffocate you and then you're you're gone, right? Correct. Uh, so the grain rescue, I've seen some things. Um, with the uh, Ohio uh, Bureau of Workman's Comp, I was on the safety um, team for the for hospital healthcare facilities and uh, safety congress. So they had a whole setup of grain bin rescue and stuff. So I've actually seen them go through and do a rescue. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's terrible when you have to do it, but it's pretty <laughs> cool that you know there's a lot of stuff that's just about that. And I know you, there is a couple years ago you guys got a big grant or, or someone we, bought um, it equipment? wasn't a grant we ended up a lot of the local farmers donated money to be able to start that to get the the grain tubes to get the pads to be able to stand in the grain to get the ropes and get the rigging and stuff like that so that way we could extricate somebody from green bin that is so cool it, with the hopes that we never use it and then um, some of the other rescue services um, that you guys do is, is, you know, it's like what? Auto extrication is probably the, the biggest rescue that the we do. The jaws of life. Yeah. And actually this year, uh, extrications are up from last year, believe it or not, which is not a good thing. No. Um, but those, those are some of the tools that are specialty tools. Luckily, you talked about BWC. They helped us with a grant two years ago to replace those. Um, so we went from hydraulics we still have one set of hydraulics but we went to the new hydraulics so everything's battery operated they're they're pretty awesome so it we only had to pay 25 percent of the bills so that's one way that we try to stay within budget um the other thing that we just recently did when covid and everything kind of hit that's kind of big is uh, we provide ems now on a limited scale we we can provide paramedic services and we got guys from paramedic school and emt school and and it is so, not uncommon for firefighters to be double, you know, doubly certified as either EMTs or paramedics. Correct. Correct. It's, it's not uncommon at all. And actually, they go hand in hand quite they a bit. They do. They do. And that's what most people don't, don't see is, you know, they only you call for a medical emergency. You know, they show up. They do that. They do the medical part of it. But what the medical part also does too is like auto accidents and things like that. It makes your rescue services better because you understand the, the whole picture instead of just a piece of the pie. But yeah. I mean, if you're trying to pull someone out, you know, extricate mm -hmm. them out of a vehicle and they're pinched and maybe it's severed, yep. uh, you know, a femoral artery or something, then it would be important for you guys to know how to apply a, a, a tourniquet yep. and to make sure that they are aware of the, the uh, possible outcomes once yeah. you move that patient out, yeah your you know? signs and symptoms you know yeah. shock and different things like that yeah yeah because you may not want to move that just yet until you get a medication the best thing may be to wait sometimes it is yes yeah. 
so you get a few other things done before that moves on it'll change your outcome that's awesome so um we do rope rescue and stuff like that and yeah. we've had some of those out at the state park so that's kind of an overview of our rescue services that we do we also do hazmat we do a lot of more or less containment you know everybody thinks hazmat big tanker crashes and yeah that's what we drill at the hospital yeah yeah most of the stuff that we do isn't that big i mean we've been on a few here recently that we've had a a fentanyl a large fentanyl exposure that was in cardington that we ended up taking some stuff down too and a lot of people don't realize that fentanyl is actually like you run that type of event as a hazmat yeah because just a little bit of fentanyl or less carb fentanyl uh which is the is it the elephant tranquilizer the carb fentanyl i um, yeah i believe but, so i mean you can't even cover lincoln's head on a penny with the amount of carb fentanyl that'll kill you correct um and you know it can be as simple as um you know mike skin is the largest organ that you have I don't know if they taught you that back in school, if they I knew that back then, someplace, yeah. you know, I, in the one room schoolhouse. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it can easily be absorbed, especially if you get it on your hands. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you, you know, um, go to wipe your eye. Well, now you're taking it into your eye and in your skin. And, and so that's dangerous. So, yeah, you have to run that by um, a hazmat. And unfortunately, we do have that traveling up and down we, we do. one. And we do have it in the county, too. We do. We do. It's unfortunate. Um, I mean. We're starting to see a few more cases of it, as you've probably heard from Sheriff Hinton and things like that. So let's talk about some. what are some other things. Um, uh, I see you have fire safety inspections. Yeah. So like talk if, about that. If you have to do, like, adoptions, adoptions part of the process is you have, we go into the home and do a fire safety inspection and fill out the paperwork for the state of Ohio. So that or would, if you're a state babysitter, right? Yep. That's um, one. Babysitters, uh, we actually try to. It's a service that we provide but we're more reactive with it than proactive just because of a lot of its funding we'd like to try to do that we're supposed to be in every business about every year we, we try to do it to the best of our abilities and that's that's where it is or like pillar bank we review plans and it, it's not just most people think is oh we're in here to to get you but it, it's re- it's really not it's a more of an educational thing you know when you start seeing multiple extension cords plugged together so far my most is seven um, <laughs> the daisy chaining. Yes, the Believe daisy chaining. You see that everywhere. You do. I see it in my line of work. You do. And, and a lot of times it's just education. Um, foster care, schools, churches, there's a lot of those that are required to have those every year. And that's those are the services that we do provide. That is in our goal is to, to get a little better with those, to, to increase that. Well, to, that's good. I think that's a pretty, good, uh, a pretty good – a pretty good – idea of what you guys offer let's talk about some of your staffing and we'll make this quick so we can get to the nitty-gritty of why (laughs) we brought you here but how much you know what is your staffing because you know we think about you guys used to be volunteer we did and then you've gone to uh is it part-time or do you consider where what we're paid we're considered we're considered a combination department because we're volunteer but we're paid on call so anytime a guy every time the tones go off the guys get paid by the hour for those calls. If they're busy, they're not coming in. It still works as a volunteer system. It's just the pay is a little bit different. And that has helped with some of the retention also. And then from eight to four, seven days a week, except for about four holidays, we staff with four firemen and then Monday through Friday is myself. So during the week, there, a lot of times there's five, but we're getting short on part-time staff. So it, how, many guys do you, how many guys do you have currently? 37. And how many do you need? 
it depends because the other problem is is for a fire an engine should be staffed with four people because you have to have two in two out so for every two people that go in you got to have two people outside and that's for their safety that's whether inside so they have a rescue yeah, team. And it's actually a new higher advice code believe it or not that we that's the way we're supposed to operate unless it's a rescue situation and i don't have two guys then we're going to do what we do and and do what we can to make that rescue if that's what it means so it takes a lot of guys on the fire ground i mean to just do a fire that's what most people don't understand i mean to actually run a fire by what NFPA says, we should have 25-ish guys or so on a scene. And right now, even with mutual aid and everything else, during the day, if we get 12 to 15, we're doing really good. Mm -hmm. It's just, so that number, how many I need, that's that's a loaded, loaded question, I guess, because, you know, an auto extrication is different. So we staff basically based on about 90% of our calls most of the time we're one engine response for the majority of our calls so well and that's and that's fair and i asked that question for a reason i already knew that it depended on the situation you know if it's a structure fire it's different than an auto accident yep it's different than a a grain bin or a hazmat call i mean they're all different and you need different pieces of equipment and different uh, you know, reactions or, you know, different plans behind it, you know, um, you know, and as the, the chief, I mean, you, you have to have a working knowledge of all of those and what you need and what equipment you have and what can you do? What can't you do? Um, so I wasn't trying to set you up there. That was just a question I wanted to, because, you know, I think some people would say, well, just cut your expenses and it's easy to cut expenses, right? Because that's the only thing we control is to Mm -hmm. cut our expenses. But when you cut expenses from a public, um, service entity such as police, fire, EMS, you're really hurting yourself in the end you are. in a way because you're reducing the amount of expertise. You're reducing the amount of uh, – uh, you're, you're extending the reaction time, right? You are. Uh, and so, yeah, just wanted to Because it takes up. longer to mitigate the situation. The faster you mitigate the situation, the less manpower you're going to need uh for example the fire we had two saturdays ago up on high street we had water on the fire in seven minutes you take that where those guys were coming from home because that was during our staffed hours add five minutes to that so now you're 13 to 15 minutes so look at your damage to that to that home now new build homes tend to go up do do you know like i know they burn a lot faster now than they they used to and even the older homes do too based on Look at your chairs. What your chairs made of? What's, what's your carpet? Yeah. What what's your interior? The the newer homes will have a higher damage because of the construction materials being used today versus the old. You know, not a true two before or a floor joist. Floor joists are big. You know, the TGIs with the T one the I joist versus a two by twelve. They're going to burn faster. So that's a lot of the reasons that the newer homes have more damage in them than an older home. And if you look at it, you know, the two by fours have larger rings or mm-hmm. like hardly any rings compared to some that you might find. And, you know, a lot of our houses around here were, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s in yeah. that range. And a lot of the lumber, it was a lot tighter. The rings mm-hmm. were a lot tighter. Um, and they were true to size to, you know, two inch by four inch or two by sixes or whatever. Um, and so they burn a lot slower because they're more mm-hmm. compressed, right? So 
Yeah. That's good to know. And, you know, that's a pretty good response time. So it is. Do you time it from the time you get the from call? From the time we were dispatched to the time we were on scene. And then I marked when we had water on the fire was seven minutes. Wow. All right. So let's talk about, um, I, I want to get to this. So you guys have an insurance rating. Correct. So tell us about the insurance rating. So the insurance rating is based, it's a grade. The fire departments are graded by the insurance companies. And with those grading, that's how you get your insurance premiums. So they, they're graded one to 10, 10 being no fire department at all, one being the best. We're a three. So that puts us in that top 15% in the country is a three. So I, when you go up, I actually know a guy that moved into another township and went to a higher rating and it was about $150 a step up. So, so it cost him some, so for to go from a three to a four, you'd be about $150 increase on your homeowner's insurance. So it costs so, me less if you have a lower number. Correct. For that. So by, by you having this, this um, insurance rating, uh, you know, of a three out mm -hmm. of a scale of one to 10, I save money because you are able to put the fire out faster or you're able to do rescues or whatever and reduce the opportunity for a complete loss. Correct. Which that's what the insurance is looking yeah, for they're, anyway. Yep, because you save them money. Because they also. would rather, you know, see, you know, maybe $60,000 in damage compared to maybe a, a $300,000 loss um, on yeah. a, stru you know, a complete they, loss they would. Of, of a structure. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, imp I think that's impressive, Mike. Like, oh, it is. Yeah. Mount Gilead, Ohio has a fire department with, that is ranked about, you know, in the, in the top 15 in the country, 15% in the mm -hmm. country. Like that's impressive. Like, Some I don't know what Columbus um, is ranked at, but some of them are, I think there are two, don't quote me a hundred percent, but I believe they're around a two. I, I just think that's impressive. Yeah. Like that is, I mean. I, I think that's great. And obviously, a, a two is very hard to achieve, but that is my goal. I mean, you have to shoot for something, so mm -hmm. let's shoot for a two. Um, and, and what goes into that is is your training hours, your equipment, the amount of water you'll be able to pump, the number of personnel you have on fires. So they come in when they grade. There's, there's a whole big sheet of stuff, and you, it's a lot of paperwork. And they come in, they, they sit down with us, they go through our paperwork to make sure that we're right, they look at our stuff, and then they grade it, and that's what we get. Nice. So. Okay, um, this additional funding will go to replace different pieces of equipment that are um, needing replaced. Would you like to talk about some of that equipment, uh, the age of some of your uh, trucks, some of those things that uh, are really needed for yes. the safety of our community? Um, our equipment's aging. It doesn't look like it but that goes to the attributes of the guys, the way they take care of it. They're just getting older. Per standard, a fire engine should only be used for 10 years front line and 20 years total, 10 years as a reserve piece, and then they move it down the road. We're getting 20 years out of our pieces as a front line. It's kind of our plan. So we're stretching the use of that vehicle. The biggest problem we're running into, and we have in the last few years, is parts. The trucks are getting older, we can't find parts. Like we actually have a problem on the ladder truck to get in and out of it on the driver's door and stuff in the manufacturers like the trucks old enough we don't even make that part wow. so we're they're giving us suggestions on how to fix it to get us by because i mean it is a 1986 so it's about 37 years old and it, it's an expensive piece so, i was born in 85 
<laughs> and that truck is almost as old as me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It looks good. It so does. It does. Um, it came from Dallas Fort Worth, is where they where they purchased it used from. Um, so it was used then. Yes, we did not buy that new. Um, they bought it, and I I was not here. I believe it was '98. So it was in it's that an area. '86 model yep. had already been used for you know ten. 10 years or so yeah and then came here wow that's the ladder truck Mm -hmm. and actually our one engine we bought it used to it was it was 10 years old when we bought it the the red one so we've been buying used trucks yeah the grass truck we got it new but it was on a grant so we only had to pay like five percent of that cost of that truck which was significantly huge so what i did is i tried to get grants as much as i can and we're replacing our tanker truck but it's on a grant Mm -hmm. but you know we're living on grants and eventually when those grants dry up we're in trouble definitely okay um well let's get to the uh, levy itself Uh, what kind of an increase what kind of taxes will this uh affect um you want to discuss some of that with us so it's a quarter percent income tax and i know some people are kind of reserved with it because that's new nobody's really ever put an income tax on in morrow county that i'm aware of most of them are on the inside millage so that's so we're trying to figure out what the best was that's how we came up with what we have in in proposing this quarter percent because when you look at the communities around us they're significantly higher on their income tax by comparison most of them are to you know marion is is one that i'm real familiar with they're at a two percent we're at one percent so instead of just taxing on property all the time try to help with you know growth in that area we thought maybe this income tax would be the better option to go and it generated more because it would have been about a four and a half mil levy to generate the same as a quarter percent income tax so that or is one of the big reasons why we decided to go this route to, to try it it's never been tried before I'm hoping that the support's there and we don't have to try it again because it's going to pass is what I'm hoping. And the last time there was an income tax increase in the village was back in the 1960s. That's the best records that we could find is when <laughs> yes. it was increased was the 60s. So we're about due. Yes. Um, but it's going to help us overall on our, on our overall finances. I mean, you can see I, 392000 is what we were projected to bring in for this year. And we're spending a little bit over that every year. So we have to fix that before it becomes an issue. So you you just talked about 390 some thousand dollars that you're bringing in. Um, you're bringing that in by how? Charging? How do you? Majority of our income comes from our contracts. So we so contract. contracts with townships? Yep, we contract because we are a village department, which kind of functions, the village and the city kind of function is the same. And we contract with Yulee Township, we do about 50 to 60% of Franklin Township, about the same of Cannon Township, and then the village of Edison. That's the majority of our income is from those contracts in the one and a half mil property tax on the village itself. So all of that space uh, only brings in 392-ish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I would have thought it would have been more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And because of that, it goes back to that'll help us with our wages also we've talked about equipment but my but my wages are really low i'm losing firemen to other communities because they know that they can go make you know 
three, four dollars more on the hour than what we're able to pay, and we can't raise it anymore because obviously the deficit's been, and we don't want to get ourselves into too much, we don't want to get any more trouble than we already are because things are just increasing anyways. Yeah, and you know, you talked about that, but I think I see here that um, in 2016 you had 283 calls for service. Yeah. But in 2020 you had 430, and then we were just talking before, and you think you might break that even this year. Yeah. It, the six and you're month only mark, in July. Yeah. At the six month mark, when I ran my numbers for the first half of the year, I'm still looking at 450, 460. So for the first half. Yeah. If, if it continues oh, for it this continues year, okay. for this year, we're on pace for about 450, 460. So with those increases, you know that increases your fuel, increases your payroll, that increases your wear and tear, that increases your maintenance, it increases it increases everything. And there's not really one in particular item, call volume wise, that is raising that. It's just across the board, everything is, is up. So um, Chief, before we um, end this segment here, what would, what would there be, what is one thing that you, um, would like to to put out there that you feel is um i mean we've talked about all these numbers but can you put words out there uh to just share how much important you know what is the importance here of what you're trying to do with this i mean it's a 0.25 percent income you know and it's not just on the village residents it's on anybody who's working inside of you know the village correct um so it's it's sharing the wealth a little bit i guess it is it is, it um, is. But, but, you know, put some words to it you know what what put, and, and i know i'm putting you on the spot here but i think um you know for folks who may be on the the, the you know teetering back and forth do i don't i do i don't i what what would you say to them Probably what I would have to say is, you know, it, it's a fair income tax like you were talking about. It's a little more across the board. So the people that are working here that are using our services are contributing. The other is we're growing community. We're not able to provide any more services. We're doing the best we can with what we have. But as the community is growing, we're seeing growth. You know, we've seen the census numbers. They're st- starting to come up from what we're hearing. Increases in costs are going up. I mean, I got suppliers that are increasing 10 and 12% this year. We're not going to be able to continue with what funding we have currently to maintain that pace, you know, for a 10 or 15 year, we're not going to be able to do it. We're looking at, we can maintain this pace for three to five. We're trying to be proactive so we don't get into that predicament. We're trying to provide the best services that we can. We want to provide more, but we're kind of strapped at the moment as to what we can and cannot do based on budget and staffing is going to become the really big problem soon because I can't get firemen in the door to work, especially the daytime because we're a bedroom community. Mm -hmm. So during the day, my numbers and manpower are a lot less. I got great guys. I really, truly do. And I'm not saying that just to blow smoke. I got the, I got great guys. They wouldn't allow us to do what we do if they weren't that good, but I'm going to have to increase and be competitive with Delaware, Marion, Richland, Knox, those counties. They're, Wages are a couple dollars more than ours. And, you know, you drive around and you see people starting out at $12, $15 an hour, and I just kind of hang my head because so I got guys that have been on. I just hired a 20-year guy, and he's in $11, between $11 and $12, and I'm like, Whoa. but that's where it is. So I want to call out, you um, had shared earlier that, he, that you have somebody who 
had an increase on their um, insurance about one hundred and fifty dollars mm-hmm. just by moving to a different township that you don't service. So I did some math and and took that um, one hundred fifty dollars and I found what a point two five percent is, and that's about thirty seven dollars and fifty cents per year per year. So you know that is a that's at that one hundred and fifty you know mm-hmm. one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, so if you make 36000 which is about the median income for, Mar- County, or for Mount Gilead, not Mark County, sorry, um, it's about $90 a year is what it comes out to. So you would end up paying more if you guys lost your, your uh, three rating there. People would be yeah. probably end up paying more for you would. homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance. You would, and I don't think other people quite understand that and that's kind of the information i've been putting out i'm hoping is educating the the general public and the people that we serve why we do what we do where we're at what we're doing trying to be a little more transparent right mike last question i none not last question i just wanted to uh, remind people that spatial election in mount gilead will be august 3rd early voting is going on um right now you can go to the board of elections office tell everybody up there that uh you're there to vote they're going to know. I mean, I talked to Penny this week, and she said that the voting has picked up. There's been it some has. early voting there. there has. Um, so, you know, um, get out there and vote. Again, it's August 3rd, and it's only for village, uh, those village precincts um, inside of the village limits. Thanks for coming in, Chad. No problem. Thanks for having me.